Lord, as we hear your voice speak to us, to teach us to listen to your beloved Son. So this day, as we read the words that he speaks to us in the Gospel of John, let us listen to him. And may your spirit be the spirit that gives life and wisdom and leads us into all truth. In Jesus' name. Okay, so John 6, we are in verse 60. We're going to finish John 6, um, hopefully. So remember, this is what, what's the discourse that we're reading? What's the section all about? Jesus says, I am bread of life. Good. Ironically, talking about fasting. Bread of life. Okay. And the Jews are freaking out because they're saying, you're not the bread of life. Moses gave what? Manna. To our fathers in the desert. And Jesus goes, actually, it wasn't Moses, but my father. And he goes, now I'm the real bread that comes down from heaven, which is better than the manna that the forefathers ate because everybody who ate the manna died. But if you eat my bread, you will live. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Okay, not body, flesh. So you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood to live. And the Jews are freaking out. And so we're going to learn now, and so are some of his disciples. Because this is offensive. Okay? If you want to live, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. If you do, I will raise you up on the last day. If you don't, you will not live. Okay? All right, let's read 60 to 71. John 6, 60 to 71. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, This is hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take of defense of this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, I did not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Okay, thank you very much. There's a lot in there, isn't it? That's packed full of stuff. So number one, why is this a hard teaching? The truth. Yeah, one is the truth. All right. But why else? So it's the truth, and the truth is always hard to hear for us sinners. Yeah. Because you're not allowed to eat people. 
right? Don't forget. They're listening to this and they're going, wait, what? We have to eat your flesh and drink your blood to live. We're not allowed to eat people. Yahweh is against eating people. Isn't he? Are you allowed to eat people? No. That's like a basic premise of most morality is you're not allowed to eat people. Would you eat a person to survive? Yeah, probably not. A lot of people are like, ah, no. I'll eat as much snow as possible. I might even eat some of the seats of the plane, but I'm not going to eat a person because that's just wrong, right? I mean, we... It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Jews weren't even allowed to drink the blood of the animals that they Good. So now, not just as a cannibalism, but you're not allowed to drink blood. You're not allowed to eat or drink blood at all. Okay? So go back to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis 9, which is every carnivore's favorite chapter in the Bible. Genesis 9. What's happening in Genesis 9? Genesis 6 through 9 is the story of Noah and the... What happens with Noah? Flood. Okay? So Genesis 9 is the is the end of the flood. Matt? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, we'll get there. Kind of. Let's go to Genesis 9. Um... Verse 4. Well, we should read we should read verse 3. So Genesis 9, 3 and 4. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I give you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has in it life that has its lifeblood still in it. Right. Okay, so God, they get off the ark, right? They did not eat animals while in the ark because there's only two of each that would run out real quick, right? So they're just eating, they're, they're just eating whatever. They're vegetarians, okay? And fish, right? And then God's going to give them all meat to eat on the earth. But don't eat the blood, because in the blood is the life. Okay? Now go to Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Okay, so skip over Exodus and go to Leviticus 17. Leviticus 17, start at verse 10. All right, I'm going to read this section to you because it's kind of it's kind of long. So Leviticus 17:10 and following. If any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, no person among you shall eat blood. 
Neither shall any stranger who sojourns among you eat blood. Anyone also of the people of Israel or the strangers who sojourn among them who takes in hunting any beast or bird that may be eaten shall pour out its blood and cover it with earth. For the life of every creature is its blood. Its blood is its life. Therefore I have said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature for the life of every creature is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. It doesn't get more severe than God saying, I will cut you off. Okay? The verb to cut off is the penal verb of the Old Testament. To be cut off from God's people means to be removed from God's presence. Okay? So, Leviticus 17 establishes that you cannot eat blood. Period. This is a damnable sin before God. Right? This is God's word. This isn't just somebody's opinion. This is the word of God. And then Jesus stands in front of all of them and says, if you want to live, you have to drink my blood. And they're saying, you can't say that. That's a violation of Leviticus. That's why this is a hard teaching. Does Jesus ever do anything else that's hard for an Old Testament believer to, uh, to believe? What's the biggest thing he does that freaks everybody out and should? Works on the Sabbath. He works on the Sabbath. He violates Sabbath. Right? They have him dead to rights. You cannot work on the Sabbath. This isn't a rabbinical teaching. This is in the Old Testament. Right? This isn't one where you can say, well, the teachings of man have come. No, 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 no. This is in the Old Testament. This is the word of God. Well, here Jesus is actually standing and proclaiming something that they're hearing as being contrary to what they believe the Old Testament teaches. This is a hard teaching. Okay? Why else? What else is hard about it? Who is who's Jesus? They don't think he's God. Who is he? He's just a dude. Right? What do they say about him? Well, you're just, you're just a man. We know your mom and dad. We know your brothers and sisters. We know where you're from. We know what you do for a living. And you're going to stand up here and say that your flesh and blood is the life of the world? And the end of time that there, you can raise us up? Who do you think you are? This is scandalous. Okay, and that's actually the word that Jesus uses when he says to his disciples, do you take offense at this? The word is actually, does this scandalize you? Scandalizo, okay? Does this scandalize you? That's his question, okay? So this is all very difficult. Yes. They are, they are hearing it as a violation of the Mosaic law. It is offending them because it is, it is making them think he is speaking against Mosaic law. That's exactly right. He's breaking Torah. Okay? Cool? Good? All right, number two. 
So how will anyone believe such difficult things? By the Spirit. Okay? So now we're going to find out is that it is the Spirit by whom you will believe difficult things. I heard you all confess this in church this morning that you believe that this one man back, you know, almost 2,000 years ago who died at the hands of the Romans that somehow his death gives you eternal life. <laughs> That's just weird. Why would you believe such things? How could you believe such things? That doesn't even make sense. Pastor even said during his sermon, anybody can be a moral teacher. So if Jesus is just a moral teacher, then find a different moral teacher, one that wasn't killed at the end of his life or the middle of his life. How, why would you believe that this Jesus is something special? Yeah, if you believe this book, why would you believe this book? Which was written by a bunch of dudes back in the day. Who had a vested interest in this being successful, right? Why would you believe all this? Why would you believe the Bible is true? Why? Don't you believe because of faith? And who gives you that faith? The Spirit. The Spirit, okay? So this is what we keep driving back to is that all of this, all of our faith in Christ, all of the things we believe about God, all of our faith in reading these holy scriptures and saying, this is the word of God. When you say that out loud, this is the word of God. Guess who's teaching you to say that? The Holy Spirit. When you confess Jesus as truly God and truly man, who's leading you to say that? The Holy Spirit, right? And when we keep going back, I'm telling you, this is some of the best theology in the history of the world is I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, lightning was gift, sanctified and kept me in one true faith, right? It's the Holy Spirit that gives us this faith. It's not intellect, right? It's not figuring it all out. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay, Matt? It also says here that Yeah, good. So now, who gives of the Spirit? Who's giving in the Spirit? Yeah, the Father's going to do this, right? So you have the Father giving people the Spirit. Well, guess who else in the Gospel of John draws people to Him? The Son, okay? So now the Son, the Son and the Father, by the Spirit, are, are dragging people to Christ, to believe in Christ. Okay? So this isn't just some weird spirit floating around out there. This is the spirit that the Father sends. Right? You guys don't seem excited at all about this. Proceeds from the Father and the Son. Filioqua, right? It's, the, it's this offensive phrase that in our creed we say he proceeds from the Father and the Son. Because in the Gospel of John, the Son sends the Spirit forth to the believers. Okay? Now, let's go... Well, how do you want to do this? Let's stay in John for a second. Okay. Let's do Spirit in John because it's kind of fun. 
Spirit and John, go to chapter 1. One thirty-two. John chapter 1, verse 32. So stay in the Gospel of John. Just flip back a couple pages. Chapter 1, verse 32. And 33. And 34. Hey, Holy Spirit, cool stuff, right? Go to John chapter 3. Next time we get spirit language. Okay, John chapter 3, verse 5. And 6. And 7. It just keeps going, right? John 3, verses, really it's 5 through 8. Okay, good. And then I mentioned again at the end of three, like in the 30s somewhere, I think. Is that right? 30, I feel like it's 34. Is that right? Yeah, 34. Okay, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. Good. Okay, so that's that's the end of three. And then in chapter four, where is the spirit in chapter four? 423. And 24. 4, 23, and 24. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Good. Okay. Now, no spirit in five. The next spirit we get is six, which we just read. And then we go to seven, which is a whole bunch of spirit. We got, oh boy, we got lots of spirit in seven. Okay, so Jesus is going to pour out, is going to give the Spirit. Okay, so look at 38. And 39. John 7, 38 and 39. Okay, good. Now we're going to skip all the way to 14. All the way to 14. Okay, and we will go to 1416. And 17. And I bless the Father, and he 
will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Good. And then in 1426... Fourteen twenty-six. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Good. Fifteen twenty-six. Next chapter. Same verse. Fifteen twenty-six. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Good. All right. 16, verse 7. And 13. I mean, it, it kind of sprinkles in here. Let's just do 13. So 16, 13. Good. Isn't this fun? All right, now go to 19. Okay, so it's going to be 1930. Gave up his spirit. Did you catch it? Gave up his spirit. What's what's Jesus' spirit? Holy Spirit. Right? Okay, now go to John 20. Next chapter. John 20, verse 22 and 23. Crazy, isn't it? You just read John's interpretation of the Holy Spirit. Did you see all those passages? They're a circular, aren't they? They're, you keep reading the same thing over and over and over. Like, hey, we read this before. Exactly. Okay? So the Spirit, the Spirit is truth. It's life. Right? These are the things the Spirit gives. He, he gives us truth. He gives us life. Now, in John chapter 3, the Spirit is tied to John 3. You can't have the kingdom of God unless you're born of water and the... What, and what do we say that is? That's an allusion to baptism. baptism. In John chapter 6, the only way to believe this stuff about eating and drinking the flesh, of the son of God, flesh and blood of the Son of Man is by the Holy Spirit. And what sacrament does that allude to? Wow. So what we have is the Holy Spirit being tied to the sacraments that He's the one that works in the sacraments to make them do what God said they're going to do. 
Well, guess what? The other, the other thing the Holy Spirit is tied to is the truth that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your mind the things that I have said. So now what do we have? We have word. That's what the Spirit's going to bring to you so that in that word you have life. Well, guess what? Now we have word and sacraments. John was a really good Lutheran. Right? He believed that God works through the means of grace. And how? who's active in the means of grace? Are we active in the means of grace? No. Who's active in the means of grace? The Spirit. The Spirit. And the Spirit gives faith. We don't go get it. The Spirit gives it. See how that works? Now don't miss this. Don't miss this. When the Spirit is given to the church, how does the Spirit go forth in the church? What's that? Through the means of grace. And specifically, who are you going to go to to find the means of grace in the church? Who? The pastor. Right? John 20. Breathe out the Holy Spirit and says, here you go. Now, whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. What did your pastor do this morning? He pronounced absolution on you. Gave to you the means of grace. The preached word, the Lord's Supper, baptism, absolution. Right? You just did this today, what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 6. You just did it. And all y'all, I heard you and I saw you, you believe it. You believe this to be eternal life itself. Well, guess what? That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah? That's why the, the, the cheerleaders got it right. We got spirit, yes we do. We got spirit, how about you? And you said, Amen. Yeah, that's a good Lutheran response, right? Amen. Okay? So that's exactly what's going on here. So the only way to believe this difficult stuff is by the work of the Spirit. He is truth. He is life. So if you're going to worship the Father, you're going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Okay? If you want to live, the Spirit is the one who gives you life. This, this just keeps going in the Gospel of John. Okay? Any questions on that or thoughts? Who said Lutherans don't like the Holy Spirit? Come on. We love the Holy Spirit. Especially Tom. Number three. Why did the twelve stay? Go back to John 6. I'm in John 20. Let's go back to John 6. Yes, because Peter was about to hear the gospel reading in church, and so he sang the Hallelujah verse, right? Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Guess what? That's from the Bible. That's right here in John chapter 6, verse 70. Or no, I'm sorry. That's where Jesus speaks. In verse 68. John 6, 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, remember, you know Peter, right? Everybody knows Peter. What happens in Matthew 16? Most important part of Matthew is the hinge point of Matthew. Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say I am? And they say, oh, you know, John the Baptist raised from the dead, or Jeremiah, or one of the Old Testament prophets. And Jesus says to them, well, what are you? Who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the 
Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Peter, you finally got something right. But we know that it didn't come from Peter because he never gets anything right. So who allowed Peter to say this truth? The Father. It was given to him by the Father to confess this. Well, guess what? That same thing happens in Mark and Luke, and this is John's version. Okay, this is the same same theme of the confession of St. Peter to the truth of who Christ is. Okay? The cool thing is, this is a little aside for you for you for y'all. Um, this is free. This is bonus material. You can actually see that the early church interpreted this as being parallel to those passages because some of the Greek manuscripts actually read part of Matthew 16 here. There are Greek manuscripts that actually have Peter's response in Matthew 16 here in addition to the words of John. It'll say, you are the Holy One, comma, the Christ, the Son of the living God, which is directly from Matthew 16. See, even the, old, the, the scribes that were copying the New Testament, in their minds are going, hey, this sounds like Peter in Matthew 16. See, they actually read it that way. So, so what we have is that this then is the confession of St. Peter to the identity of Jesus. So in John 6... You have the same confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here Peter says, you have the words of eternal life and you are the Holy One of God, right? So, so this is a very important confession. And, and the 12 stay simply because Jesus speaks words of life. And what do you do with words that give life? You don't hear them. What did Jesus just tell you to do with them? You eat them. You eat them. Go to Jeremiah chapter 15. We're going to we're just have fun today in the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 15. This one's easy to remember cuz it's 15:16. Right? Jeremiah 15:16. Jeremiah. Let's see. Jeremiah's hard to find, isn't it? So Psalms is kind of the middle of your Bible. Then go to that way. You'll find Isaiah eventually, a big book. And then after Isaiah, you'll, you'll come to Jeremiah. You understand, O Lord, remember me carefully. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Is that Jeremiah? Yeah. 15? Yeah. 16? Not 16. It's coming up. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, I see where. Good. Keep going. Uh, think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. When your words came, I ate them, and they were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, the Lord God Almighty. Okay, good. Your words were found, and I ate them. Weird, isn't it? This is a metaphor in the Old Testament, eating the Word of God. Well, guess what? Go to it, get the next book, the very next book, which is Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel 2. Now, if you're going to read Ezekiel, find a buddy, right? Don't read Ezekiel alone. You need a buddy. Hold hands. You, you need a buddy to read Ezekiel. So just be careful. We'll start at verse 8. Ezekiel 2.8. Now, this is really going to be interesting. Listen, listen to the words that are used. Listen to the words that are used in Ezekiel. Okay? 
Ezekiel 2.8, I'll read it. But you, son of man, over 90 times in the book of Ezekiel, the word son of man is used to refer to the prophet. In the New Testament, only Jesus uses son of man to refer to himself. No one calls Jesus the son of man except for in Acts 7.56 where Stephen refers to Jesus in heaven as the son of man. Nowhere else in the New Testament anyone else called Jesus the son of man but that's Jesus' favorite term to refer to himself as the one who's going to suffer and die for the sins of the world. Okay, So son of man makes your antenna go up, right? Especially in this, in this context. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written in it words of lamentations and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Now you guys are going, I've heard this somewhere before. I know you are. Go to Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. Revelation. Very last book of the Bible. Notice there's no S's in the word Revelation. Not in the beginning, end, or anywhere else. Revelation chapter 10. My pages are all stuck together. All right. 10, what is it? 9 and 10? Is that right? Yep. 10, 9 and 10? So I went to the angel and told him, and he gave to me a little scroll. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. Okay? So we have this eating of the word of God. Remember the Psalms that says, taste and see the Lord is good. Now, what is up with all this eating of the word of God? It all comes from Deuteronomy. And you guys know the verse it comes from in Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Okay, that one I'm guessing. Is it 8-3? Someone get there quickly and tell me. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Old Testament, right? Fifth book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Chapter 8. Yeah, verse 3. Very, very it is. Very good. Chapter 8, verse 3. Good. Thank you very much. Now, why do you guys know that passage? Why? Why do you know this weird passage in the middle of Deuteronomy? You guys know it. What? Because Jesus quotes it in the temptation in the wilderness, right? Satan comes and says, the issue of the Son of God turn these, these stones into bread, and Jesus goes, 
Why would I turn stones into bread? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He quotes Deuteronomy to him. Okay? So what happens is all of this, all of this stuff that Jesus is bringing together in a speech, he's bringing together Deuteronomy, the prophets, he's bringing together all these allusions and saying, now, this word that I speak to you, this is the substance of life. Eat it. Eat my, my flesh. Drink my blood. In them you have life. And Peter says, oh, your words are eternal life. Yes, that's right. The way you eat and drink of Christ is you hear his word and you believe it. Did you hear the transfiguration message today? This is my son. Listen to him. And when Jesus speaks, those words are words of life. And when you come to Jesus and you say, I repent, he says to you, you're forgiven. Right? And on, on the last day, he will come and he will speak words to you, words of resurrection, and that will act, those words will raise you up. See, these are words that do what they say. And Peter is saying, I don't, understand a, I don't understand a word of this. But I believe that your words are eternal life. And that's what we confess. Anybody in this room understand the Bible perfectly? Anybody? No? Anybody here believe that every word of the Scripture is the word of God and therefore life-giving? I do. I don't understand all of it, but I believe that. Right? People walk up and say, well, it doesn't make any sense. You go, that's okay. Wasn't asking it to make sense, but it is the word of God. And therefore it does what God promises to do through it, which is give life. Okay? So this is the way Jesus is bringing his disciples into his little church. Just curious on the Lutheran take of, is this sacramental or not? I've heard... Um, Are we talking about the sacrament here? Or yeah. It, it, yes and no. It's a good Lutheran answer, which is sure. Um, it, it does, it is an allusion to the Lord's Supper, but it is not the institution of the Lord's Supper. Okay? So the best way to think about it is it's bigger than the Lord's Supper. Because remember, the, the parallels within the chapter itself is to believe in Jesus is to have eternal life. So believing is actually parallel to, to eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Now, real quickly, I know we got to go, but don't worry about it. we got time. We're eternal. It's okay. So in the Lord's Supper, right, Jesus gives bread and wine and says they are body and blood. Right? Yeah? Cool? In John 6, Jesus gives flesh and blood and says they are life. They are bread and life. It's not the exact same thing. Do you see the difference? Here, He's taking bread and wine and saying, these are my body and blood. In John 6, he's saying, if you want to eat the bread of life, you have to eat me and drink my flesh. Or drink my blood and eat my flesh. 
Okay? The other difference is that in the Lord's Supper, in the institution of the Lord's Supper, in Matthew 26 and Luke in Mark 14 and in Luke 22 and 1 Corinthians 11, the word is always body, right? Soma, body. But here, the word is flesh, sarks. They're different words. Okay? So what the church has historically said is that this is an allusion to the sacrament, but it's not a definition of the sacrament. It's bigger than the sacrament. The church fathers even talk about this, right? The early, early church. It says, certainly here, this brings to our mind the Lord's Supper. But here he's talking about faith in Christ. That faith in Christ results in eternal life. Does that make sense? So certainly it's the Lord's Supper. Certainly. That's part of it. But it's actually bigger than that. Okay? It's the word. It's hearing the word, believing it. That's all this. Okay? So, so there's nothing wrong with saying, oh yeah, here clearly we have an allusion to the Lord's Supper. Sure, of course. But this is not the giving of the Lord's Supper like you find in the other Gospels and in 1 Corinthians 11. Okay? Is that fair? A fair way to say it? You can look this up. There's books and books written on this, on that question. But that's kind of the, the best way to think is it's kind of bigger than the Lord's Supper, but it certainly is an allusion to it. Okay, now number four, we've got to go. Did the, the twelve choose Jesus? No, he chose them. Right? This is the great Lutheran verse. <laughs> he didn't choose me. I chose you. He's going to recapitulate it again later. Okay? In the upper room. All right, let's pray. Lord, give us of your spirit. That your spirit might make us alive in the hearing of the word and the receiving of the sacraments. And let us live each day by that spirit, finding life in your holy word given to us. So enliven us to meditate on that word, to spend time in prayer, and to live out lives of faith and service to our neighbors and in love for you. We ask you this week to bless us, to keep us in the one true faith, and bring us back to this blessed place to gather again around word and sacrament. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. If you have any questions, I'm here. Come see me.